0: Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Keith McKeever, the host of the Battle Buddy Podcast, and back with another episode. And uh, I'll go ahead and let my awesome guest introduce herself.
1: Hi, good morning. How are you doing? And Yorka Castañeda. And thank you very much for having me on your show.
0: No problem. I, I'm excited to have you here because we've gotten to know you, or I've gotten to know you. You know, put it quite a bit over the last couple of months through the Warrior Council. So I'm excited to have another chat with you. We chat like once a week <laughs> for a couple of hours, but, uh, you know, this is awesome to kind of have a one on one thing here and kind of talk about some things that, you know, our, our paths are fairly similar um, when it comes to the entrepreneurship and real estate, stuff like that. So go ahead and, um, you know, tell us what what your story is. You know, where, where were you born and raised? And what's your military journey and what got you to the point where you're at today?
1: Um, well, I'm Cuban. I was born and raised in Cuba until I was 18. And then I flew over. I didn't get in the boat. I flew over um, the legal way. And a year later, I joined the Army. It was the best decision of my life. Because it took me completely. It showed me the world and you know I love the culture I love the lifestyle no everything was easy Uh, but it really um, I spent more time there than I spent on my um, on Cuba you know I traveled all over the world I got to see a lot of different cultures I got to Meet wonderful people, and then it was over. It was. It broads a lot of
0: horizons, doesn't it? It just it it can show you so much. Just serving.
1: Yes, Um, it was an eye opening, especially, and you see the difference um, when you come back, when when you get back into civilian life. Everybody stay where they were. They still have. The, the, the mentality or of, of the mind frame of the life, right? Or what they're surrounded with. The issues, the problems where, you know, when you've been to so many places and you've seen so many different things and you had a chance to see other cultures, other worlds, um, it's shocking. It's very shocking. And, and sometimes it's is very difficult to transition. and they and they still look at you like when you left. they, they, they don't look at you like, you know, you spent all this stuff, you did all this stuff. no, they look at you like, yes, you're still the same teenager that you were when you left.
0: you right? know, I always wondered if that was just because for them, I mean, you know things change, but not as much as they change for you. Right. So like, they're kind of still living in, in a bubble. And um, I never really thought about it like that until you just put it that everybody does kind of look at you like, like you're the same old person. And in Thank your you. mind, you're like, I'm I'm not I've grown. I've, I've experienced I've seen these things done these things, whatever. I've met all these, you know, interesting other people in the world and seen how other things work. And I'm, I'm not the same person. And it, it makes it it makes it difficult you know, to kind of readjust.
1: Yeah, it makes it difficult. And even if you're not an organized person, when you have to live in a military lifestyle, you had a stretcher. Like I'm not organized at all, but I have a schedule. I have a stretcher of how I do things. And I get things accomplished in a day that a normal person would take maybe a week or a month to get done.
0: <laughs> I know you have a lot on your plate, so <laughs> I know you've got to. You yeah, know, that's one of those other similarities between the two of us. It's, I think it's common, common thread on yes. veterans that are entrepreneurs.
1: And, and and that's one of the things that um, sometimes, uh, I guess, what you would call the normal people, uh, look at you like you, you have two heads and they keep telling you, slow down, slow down. i like, don't tell me to slow down. You need to speed up.
0: Yeah, I got stuff to do, man. I got a plan. I, I got stuff to execute here, you know?
1: you know and everybody's priority is different there's nothing wrong with you know being laid back and and you sleep your life on at your own pace but you know if my if i take three or five steps more than you there's nothing wrong with that neither
0: yeah i mean that's what makes you happy and, and you're working towards your goal because i literally just had this conversation with my son last night about success I said don't let other people choose what your success is. You choose what your success is. What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of legacy do you want to live? Like don't you know, don't don't let other people influence that. It's it's you. So if you want to pursue a certain passion or pursue a certain goal, then do it. How much money you want to make in a year, that's up to you. Whatever makes you happy, whether that's trying to make a million dollars a year or if you're going to try to live off 5,000 a year. Like whatever makes you happy, you know. I mean, to, don't let people, you know, try and tell you what your success is. So I think that's interesting when people, you know, try to tell you to slow down or whatever, like you're, you're doing too much. Like, no, I'm doing what I want to do because it's my goal. It's my mission. It's what I'm working towards. It's my success that I'm working towards. Not what your vision of, you know, my success should be.
1: Uh, yes, I mean, it's, you know, um, you were in the military. I had to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. By six o'clock I was uh, running like two miles and and then we had to go on formation, we had to do all this stuff. And you were done in a normal day, like maybe five. And you still have a lot of other stuff to do. You know, your day didn't stop. And the next day you would do it again. And you would do it. And you will make sure that everything got done, everything had a time, um, a schedule. And, you know, I was a single parent in the military. You know, that's not easy. I had two kids to take care of while doing eight, 10, 12 hours working in the military. I'm no superhero, but I managed.
0: And, uh, were- the, and hats off to you for doing that because I cannot imagine. Uh, yeah. I, I knew a lot of people that were single parents or they were in a single parent role because the other spouse was deployed. So just the nightmares logistically of, you know, getting the kids to the on-base uh, preschool babysitting thing, whatever that they had, you know, just like the logistics of picking up their kid, who's watching them, who's doing what, you know, what their duty days are. I mean, it was it was a nightmare. I, I had troops, other people in my unit that were like that, that they were always kind of constantly trying to juggle all that. And I was single for most of my time, man, and I'm like, that's just in, in, insane what you're trying to juggle. So hats off to you for, for being able to, you know, to find a way – use the resources and get it done
1: thank you and it does get easier well it doesn't get easier it gets manageable the more that you do it you find your
0: groove a little bit you know you find what works for you
1: you find what to prioritize and that's the key what to prioritize um not during your whole life but during your day what's important what's not important you know i don't stress out about the little things if they don't if they don't change uh, what I'm trying to do you know let it go now if they affect what I'm trying to do yes you know I will find a solution I don't waste time complaining uh, sometimes others do that and yeah it, it's just a waste of energy it's all about where you're putting your energy right it, there is a lot all, of
0: negativity in the world that's yes. for sure
1: and, and sometimes we need that reboot that's what i do that's one of the reasons i i, I you know i decided to post a um, couple pictures every day that make me laugh and hopefully make other people laugh at least for five minutes because i think we need we all need that mind frame right we need to uh, find the positive even it's just one smile because life gets heavy. Um, but it may get a little bit more manageable.
0: Well, it's probably really important right now. I mean, especially with everything that's going on in the world, not to get into all that, but there's a lot of stuff going on uh, today. And social media is what maybe a lot of people have. So, you know, posting something that takes uh, somebody's mind down a different path or puts a smile on their face is a good thing. We yeah. can all use a little bit more of that every day
1: and it's just a small thing but it works um so hopefully help somebody but you know that's and that's all it is and you know transitioning from the military is always difficult because you left at 18 you left when you did 20 years as what 45 in the 40s um
0: Yeah, most people are going to be out probably by 45, if not 50, depending on how long they serve.
1: So you just live uh, Uh a whole life. And now you have to learn how to live again.
0: The beauty of it, though, is that you have a whole other life. I, I literally told a guy this yesterday. I'm like, by the time you get out, you're going to have another 20 to 25 years until that typical retirement age of 65. That's a whole nother career. You have a whole nother life ahead of you. And then, then you've got retirement and then that's a whole nother life in its in its own. So you've, you've only lived a small portion of your life if you're lucky. So, you know, make the best of it, get your education, get yourself ready, get yourself a plan and, and go attack it and have fun, do something you enjoy.
1: And that's, And that's my thing, like, you know, once you transition, you have to find a new purpose. You have to find something um, that matters to you. Um, I believe in entrepreneurship. I kind of fell into it. Um, I transitioned to, like most military do. I went and got my year bill, got my education, because it was the first time I was in a place long enough to get my degree. Um, So I got two. because it was the same amount of time to get two than get one. So I got that and then a transition on on entrepreneurship. But the reason is what I was doing on my studying, you know, the only way for me to stay still and care about what I was studying I needed to put it into practice, and that's how I started uh, entrepreneurship. My time, my um, my pace. You know, I didn't went out and did everything that I needed to do because I had to prioritize my studies. Right, I had to spend time studying, and you know, you're studying, you don't spend eight hours, you spend fifteen. So. The only way I can do both was by making sure that everything I was studying, it relate to my business. So I will focus everything on my business and you just get me ahead.
0: That's a great way of looking at it, especially if you're in business. Cause I, yeah. as you know, I'm going for my bachelor's degree in business administration right now, you know, and taking marketing classes and stuff like that and economics, whatever. There's a lot of moments where a a term comes up and maybe you didn't really know what that term was before or something or it just hits you totally different as if instead of like if you were an 18, 19 year old college student and now you can just, you can see it. Like it's in front of you. You've seen it in your business. You've done it in your business. Maybe you didn't have the label for it, but now you know it. Now you understand it and and it just kind of clicks. So I I totally see that.
1: Yeah. And I believe that's the missing piece. Um, There's a lot of theory um and you know a lot of people complain okay I get a degree I didn't learn nothing until I went to the real life but it's not that I didn't learn anything it doesn't apply the right way and it's not everything you need to learn because you always have to build up you always have to gain new skills and and find new information um so but but there's has to be 50 50 I believe you have to put it into practice and don't think that you're going to make a $1 million business in five days. That doesn't happen unless you're really lucky.
0: <laughs> the I odds mean, of that are just like hitting the hitting the lottery, right?
1: Yeah, and even if you get that lucky, how are you going to handle it? You don't even barely took time to learn how to handle $5 million. Well,
0: not of that, you haven't had the uh, the ups and downs of the whole road and the journey is, is, is all part of it. Yeah is learning and adapting and, and figuring out what works and doesn't work and, and the networking and getting to know people. Like, that's all part of the journey.
1: I actually did. Um, I consulted um, uh, a real company, millions-of-dollar company, and I went, you know, they had some issues. I went there. Yeah, they were making about $5 million. They were probably losing about $10 million. Because they didn't have the fundamental was inventory. They didn't know what they had in inventory. They were out of stack. All the most valuable part that they make the most money, all the components. Because they didn't have that down. They were spending money. They were making money. They didn't were making as much as they could have.
0: With that much revenue, they had probably hit a spot where they felt comfortable that their systems were in place and they were working. And they probably let their guard down a little bit. Would would you say that's probably probably accurate?
1: They had a lot. Some of some degree, issues. they had a lot of issues. The main one is they didn't look at inventory. That's a lot of business um, don't do. They don't look at inventory as money, but you have to look at it as money because it's money that you spend on it. It's money that it can generate profit. Uh, it's money that can go down the uh, the rabbit hole if it spoils depending on what kind of inventory you have. And if it's mismanaged or pilfered, um, you're going to lose money either way. Um, But also, one main ingredient that they had is they had employers, but they weren't training their employers the right way. And you know that's key. Especially coming from the military. That's all we do. We train. We train. You know, we get missions that are you think they're impossible, and we make it happen. But because before you go to that mission, you train, you figure out, you got a SOP, you got a, you got a plan.
0: Yeah, so it becomes second nature, and it's just totally ingrained in your head. Exactly what you need to do. You don't have to think about it. You yeah. just act and react.
1: And I believe that's my personal um, opinion. Is you need to run your business the same way. You need to build those foundations and not all money is green. Yes, the money that's coming in is green, but inventory is key. Um, finding everything that you can make, the, instead of paying your taxes, finding ways that you can deduct as much as possible. You know, without doing anything crazy, just doing what's legally allowed. And getting that education to be able to do that in the first place—that's—that's that's for my, you know, that's part of having a business.
0: Yeah, and if you don't know that stuff, find somebody, <laughs> you know, hire that tax professional or that accountant. Both, you know, and, and get them in there. Because I was to say, you know, that's the other vital part on top of inventory is just the finances. You know, yeah, you know need what to- you're spending, know your numbers, know your key performance and in, uh, indicators and all that stuff. Like, you just got to know that stuff.
1: But you need to be able to have the systems and process in place. Because if you just go and hire somebody and you have to spend most of your time uh, managing them, because they don't have a clear understanding of what you want them to get done, then it's a waste of money and it's a waste of time. So if you hire somebody, you need to make sure you have clear instructions. You need to have all the systems in place. So they just come and do the job and you're only delegating the task. You're not delegating the responsibility. You still have the responsibility of making sure that doing it the right way. Because nobody's gonna do it the same way that you can. You know, it's not gonna be as perfect or as imperfect as you can make it. Um but you need you still it's still your business, so you need to be responsible for it. Cause at the end of the
0: day, you're the one that getting. Oh it. yeah, yeah, but I think it's really hard for some people to do. I mean, I'm myself included, just giving up control on things and just letting somebody else do something, um, to either delegate or to hire somebody and have them run a task when, to, to not have that control, uh, that that kind of hurts a little bit sometimes. Well,
1: but, that's, you know, it's, it's something
0: everybody has to get past.
1: You start with why you don't like to do that's what you're gonna find a
0: person that fits what you want what you want done what tasks you want done you got to find that person that fits it right so many cases may not be somebody exactly like you it's got to be somebody opposite you know
1: in some cases you want to make sure you find a second you and i don't mean same personality saying everything it being somebody that can get that job as good as you, so in order to have that in place, you need to have trust. You need to have checks. Uh, make sure you have assessments in place. So when you put up one person to replace your job, doesn't mean that you're going to you're going to have more time to uh, focus on other projects. But no, you have to constantly come back and correct whatever they're doing. Okay, they need to be. They need to have the skills. Uh, they need to have they need to be trainable because even if you don't have the skills but you're trainable you can learn
0: yeah i, mean, I mean, just about anybody can learn
1: no everybody can learn uh most people can you know, the right right you need to have the right time right frame. way yeah you need to, you need to have the right time frame and the 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 right mind frame um so but you need to have the systems in place i believe that's my personal opinion anyway um, because it's my money. I don't want to waste it because I can use that same money to grow another project or to make sure that my my business keep growing. So yeah, you never
0: know when that a uh, couple thousand dollars that that could be wasted. You know, if if you save that by doing the right things and having the right processes and people. If you were wasting that money, you've wasted it. But if you didn't waste it, who knows what that money could have been invested in another business, stocks, whatever, you know. And who knows what that, say, $5,000 could have turned into 10 years down the road. It could have turned into a multi million dollar business or, uh, you know, whatever. So every penny counts. That's that's other than my thought.
1: Especially in the beginning, especially in the beginning, because you never know. And if COVID has teaches anything, three months is not enough anymore. You need to no, at least have six not. months to a year. You know, now we're going to go in the second year. Um, so you need to have a buffer. There's always has an emergency fund that you need to have.
0: I think COVID uh, has taught uh, businesses that are listening or pay attention anyway. Those things that you never thought you'd have to plan for, maybe you yeah. have a plan for it now. And it's sad to say, but I mean, whatever your mind can come up with that you might need a plan for. You might want to come up with a plan for it because if we've seen anything in the last couple of years, just about anything seems to be possible. Nobody would ever expect the global pandemic and businesses shutting down and not being able to eat in restaurants. And for people who weren't prepared or businesses weren't prepared, they're done. And, and it's a shame on, on the flip side, it also creates opportunity for people to come in and, you know, new entrepreneurs to come in and, and take over those restaurants or those companies you know that fail to adapt or fail to prepare
1: so. um, cows always bring opportunity that that's the the basics of it. and and what I say uh, and one thing I wanted to mention is when I say build your team um, there's tasks that you can delegate that you can include people closest to you you know. I delegate tasks to my kids i delegate tasks to my family um they don't do everything of course um and i compensate it in return you know it's not free labor i don't i don't believe in free labor um, yeah you're, you're
0: putting a roof over their head right
1: <laughs> but, that's what
0: i always got because I, I don't know if you knew it i grew up in uh, around the real estate industry so i went to put out a few signs when i was a kid and my kids will sure to do it and i was always told well I put food in your stomach and uh, and a roof over your head, don't I? (laughs) So here's $5 in gas money. Go put these signs out.
1: (laughs) No, you know, I, like, especially my kids, my main idea is stuff that I can do. Um, They probably can do better because they're better in technology than I am. That's always the case for kids. Uh, But the main thing for me is I want to teach them. They can do it. They can learn a new skill, and there's value in that, and that's why I'm compensating that. And it's a business expense, by the way, as a business owner. So if you do it the right way, it's still a, li- a perfect legal business expense.
0: Yeah, well, there's a lot of benefits there beyond just the, the business side of it, but... Get your kids uh some experience and some different things and figure out maybe they'll find an absolute joy for something that they didn't know they had or a knack for it or or maybe they find out that they're absolutely terrible at something yeah you know I, you know and then they know that it's a path that they don't want to go down in, in their life because it's just not a good fit for them
1: and, and that's what i do like i i don't make them uh do stuff they don't like to do no you have a talent you you have art talent and you want to do something and it's easy for you and you get it done in five seconds, yes, I want to I, I, I want to foster that. I want to uh, make sure that you see it because especially kids, I got teenagers, it's all about self-image, right? And they don't believe in the self. So in a backward way, and teaching them they're very valuable in the skills that they have. You know, and I ask my, my son, I ask all the time his opinion. Cause he has a better eye, artistic eye than I do. And then you go from there and then you go, you know, um, there's plenty universities and colleges um, that offer interns and they have to have that experience in order to transition to the civilian job, uh, to, to the job market. So it's a great way to start building your team and put them in trial because you want to cherry pick the one that's the best fit uh, for you and your business and your cultures and make sure they, their values and their culture it, it aligns with yours. You know, Yeah, that's really one. important.
0: Values and cultures that align and you got to have the trust. And then you got to find, like I was saying earlier, like somebody who's different than you, you may have to find somebody that's a totally different personality or way of getting things done that fits a particular role that you need because maybe it's you're not your strong suit as the owner manager whatever so you gotta just you gotta know those things you gotta know your people
1: and, and you want that you want diversity you want people that have a different outlook and different skills uh because they can see all the things that you cannot see you had just blind uh blinders but you also need to learn how to manage the diversity, um, because that's a real thing. There's a difference in culture. There's a difference on language, um, uh, personalities. Um, but you can integrate it. You can align it. Ben
0: um, a- said you have to really know yourself too, you know, and your strengths and weaknesses. Because I think, like, if I was a business owner and I had multiple employees. I would have to find somebody that could run an HR department and somebody who could be the person to fire people because I don't have that personality. I am a very caring, giving kind of person. I would probably look the other way on on issues or give people an extra chance, even if it hurt the bottom line for my company. I would need somebody in a role. I'm self-aware enough to know I would need somebody in a role that could put their foot down and say, nope, enough is enough. We're going to fire this person and they're gone. Somebody with a more strict personality, you know? So you got to know yourself and your people.
1: Yes. I think that's very important. And, you know, and there's um, there's tools out there that you can learn how to do that. You can take personality quizzes. You can have that as part of your hiring practices. Um, have all this. Uh, this personality is one of the assessments they mm-hmm. use. That's a good one. Um, because that way you, you can't build a profile of your employee and you know where they need to develop. Because as they grow, your company grows as well. Um, so it's important, I think.
0: That's some good stuff. Here. Okay, you know what? I'm going to put together a resource for my podcast website. And I'm going to get some of the personality uh, assessments and quizzes and stuff and get them up there. It's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, it's it'd, it'd idea. be helpful for people. So if anybody's listening to this uh, look for that here uh, coming up pretty soon so um you know along with entrepreneurship since you've been on this journey for a while is there anything on the journey that just be, was like naturally easy for you like anything that's naturally easy and then you know anything that you found that was like super difficult easier or harder than you thought i guess i, I think the
1: hardest thing for me is to stay in one thing. Because I don't believe on limiting myself. Um, I'm very creative. And I, I love that part of entrepreneurship. I love um, being creative. I, I think that, that kind of fits my soul. Um, so when I'm in the creative uh, phase, it helps me expand. It doesn't mean that I forget about everything else. It's just it gives me the energy boost that I need right um so staying focused on one thing um maybe that's not a thing for me um and i look at it i don't do i don't really multitask what i do is i I do vertical uh, tasks so everything that feels in the same pocket or similar pocket if i can hang i can advance them at the same time, it's the same thing, so it takes the same kind of effort, I bash them together. And I, I get that over, and then if I had to leave it alone for a little while, I do that. You know, because, I, and that's the other thing, I had that luxury, because first, I'm self-funded. I, I don't have investors. I'm not looking for a handout, because I need to set, I need to be able to set my own pace. Once you had to, um respond to other people's investment in your business you don't have that luxury anymore
0: <laughs> yeah I can't imagine that stress because I'm the same way as you
1: yeah you don't have that luxury anymore so I I try to set my own pace and you know and get things accomplished and and just keep keep on trying keep don't leave myself period you know and and it doesn't mean i i I invest in my education um i'm always learning Uh, i don't know how much i spent so far in in self-education um
0: yeah remember it's one thing that people can't take away from you either you know that knowledge all that education everything you put in your brain
1: yeah i i think this year has been a year of learning and growing um so, and I love it. I love every single thing. I, I can't wait where everything I'm building is, it becomes apparent to everybody else. So that's the thing about entrepreneurs, right? You had the vision and then you had to make it happen. You are, yeah, you do. That, that's the definition of entrepreneur. You can see what nobody else can see.
0: That, that action step takes you from a dreamer yes. to an entrepreneur.
1: And then you have to become, yeah, you have to become a doer. You have to uh, build it brick by brick, uh, you know, little by little.
0: And the brick's going to look different, like different businesses and things like that, different things that you got going on. One that you do is you got your own podcast. So what's, what's the name of your podcast?
1: Funded Time Podcast.
0: And... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like, because I've gotten to know you a little bit, you've got a little bit of a passion or an interest in teaching and and just kind of education kind of thing. Um, has, has that influence? Is, there, is that true? Is there any influence there on why you started a podcast? Or
1: yes, I, I actually fell into that. Um, I was in a group and I saw I wasn't running for all these great men's right, and I see more than 500 uh, people in there. And they all had a story that needed to be told. And they all were entrepreneurs. And I believe that's one of the best ways to learn how to become entrepreneurs because, and we all have our own books, right? We all write our own books. But some people are 10 pages ahead of you. And that's okay. You cannot be 10 pages ahead of you, you started. You can be in your first page. But you can learn for those people that are ten pages ahead of you. You can see what worked for them, what didn't work for them, what is a good fit for you. Um so that's what um that's what's called fund this time because it's their time, it's their um it's then telling the story what worked for them, what didn't work for them with the idea of inspiring other entrepreneurs that maybe have an idea that you don't have the how to make it happen. Uh, because you don't know what you don't know.
0: Right. Uh, there's and there's a lot of that when you get yeah. in entrepreneurship. You don't know what you don't know.
1: Yeah, you don't know what to ask.
0: Yeah, you kind of fumble around in the dark sometimes until something just you know slaps you upside the head, and you're like, "Oh, that's how I can do that. <laughs> I get it now." Yeah, now, now I can add another brick to the to the wall.
1: So, and and it's definitely you know it has been experience, and um, and I'm actually in the process of transition into a, a, to a TV show, hopefully. So it's going to, it's, we're still going to have the same format. It's just going to have the TV show aspect of it and go even more in depth. So awesome. it's exciting.
0: Yeah. Depth is something that's really needed because a lot of the things that you can consume out there on entrepreneurship is sometimes barely just kind of scratches the surface. You know, it's it's not hard to find an ebook or, or something on on YouTube or something that talks about it, but it doesn't really give you really anything super in depth sometimes. So more depth and more more information is always good. And sometimes it's kind of like hidden, like people don't want to give, you know, too much out or so. It sounds I like see. a great idea to have a TV show and go even more in depth about entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, I, I believe there's that's the missing piece and, and entrepreneurship for anybody that's listening is one of the most important people in a society because they're the one that build the build of future um, so but there's a lot of misinformation or lack of, of education. Um, there's a lot of programs. Sometimes they're all trying to sell you something, and they only send you one part with a yes. huge
0: promise somewhere in there.
1: Yes, this huge oh. get rich
0: quick, or you know, hey, you're gonna make X amount of dollars in six months, and you know, there's usually some sort of aspect to some of those things.
1: And 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 that's the thing. Nothing that uh, that's worth uh, while to have is going to be instant because you won't value it, period. Part of the struggle or learning how to do things is what really uh, make you care, make you build something that will stand the uh, the, the time test, right? The test of time. Yeah. And, and there's, no, there's really no uh, in one single SOP, a standard operation of step-by-step of how to build a business. There's some steps. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I think about those companies with the crazy promises kind of leads me to my next, uh, next thing to talk about here, which is real estate. And I'm sure you see it down there in your market as well, because we're both realtors. You see these, uh, these people or these organizations that come in and set up in a hotel and, and offer these huge seminars on buying, buying houses with other people's money, no money down, quick flips, wholesaling, uh, you know, I'm not saying that some of those things don't work, but a lot of people that get in there just get suckered into the money. And I think they get left with really no actionable steps to really do anything. They get 15, 20% of the the recipe to do it and and the rest of it, they got to kind of figure it out on their own. And then the guy goes on to the next town to his next seminar to collect money from From all those people for teaching them the same exact thing so you know not saying that some of those investment strategies might not work but part of it is the scam of of the education piece of it
1: yeah they're making the money selling you the the (laughs) information on how to get the money yeah Um, and and there's some uh, there that are valuable but you need to understand that it's a real estate insurance it can help you leverage business if you know what you're doing. It's like it goes back to education, having the right information. You and paying that $800
0: day. or $1,000 or whatever they charge for those classes to only get 20% of that education on how to do it right isn't going to really put you on the path to, no. to getting where you need to go. They're you just taking to- your money and next thing you know, six months later, you haven't invested in anything with anybody else's money except for no. your own money on a, on a worthless class
1: you you need to go to the source of the information you need to always verify your sources you know
0: you need to talk to a realtor you need to talk to a good mortgage lender your local bank whatever and you need to figure those things out get get that education that way
1: yeah because um, there's because it's simple and the simple truth is there's um a vetting process, right? Before they can get accredited, before they can uh, they can be put out to the masses. There's a vetting process. Sometimes when you do um, go to one, invest in one of these courses, there's nothing. They use somebody put it out there, and there was no structure. Maybe they have some valuable information, but you know that's not. Yeah, they structure. found a bunch of stuff
0: on the internet, made some flyers, put a hundred dollars behind it on Facebook, and. And next thing they know, they got a room full of 100 people paying $200 a piece for the information that's useless to them. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know. it's unfortunate, but but it happens. And like I said, I, I don't want to badmouth those people on my podcast because I haven't been through any of those classes. Maybe some of that stuff works. But from the amount of interest there appears to be sometimes, there sure is a lack of investors using other people's money, at least in my market area. So. <laughs> it, it it doesn't appear to have kicked off really in Peoria, Illinois too much. So, um, but on real estate, you know, what what made you get into real estate? You've been in the business for what six about sixteen years now or so.
1: Um, well, a little bit less than that because um, I got back in two thousand five, and then I went back active duty. So there was an international of service. But uh, the main thing I got uh, interested on. On real estate, uh, what was because of the potential, right? And I went to the class um, and I found all this wealth of information on of all the potential ways that you can use real estate, all the ways that you can get in trouble <laughs> if you don't use the <laughs> right way. Um,
0: There's a lot of those.
1: Yeah, and, and I like it. I, I think it's. Uh, <laughs> it's being used as a, as a way to amass, uh, to create wealth, um, for centuries, right? Um, so, it's very valid, but like I say, there's lots of way to get in trouble, and there's a lot of way to make money. You need to get educated, like everything.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can put money in the stock market, it can go up, it can go down, I mean, you might lose your money, um, but there's a, a lot of ways that you could get yourself in trouble when it comes to property from loss due to natural disasters or other things, or, you know, buy, buy a money pit, you know, the, uh, the good old money movie money pit back there. uh, Back in the eighties, I think that was one of my favorite movies actually as a realtor. Um, Because unfortunately not to that extent, but it happens, you know, you, you buy something that looks pretty good and it turns out to be a, a dump and Next thing you know, you're putting money in it left and right. And there goes any investment or wealth building. You've, you've immediately kicked yourself you know, for purchasing it.
1: Because uh, because before you put your money into anything, you need to you, do your due diligence. You need to be able to manage risk. Because so there's always risk in any kind of investments that you do. How you manage that risk matters. Um, sometimes you can leverage that risk with insurance. If you get the right one um
0: with the also, right amount of coverages <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of moving pieces there too we could probably go on for days on, on a lot of these things but that's that, a good that's, point
1: that's another class and there's ways <laughs> yeah. to leverage that as well but you need to be informed um uh, but uh also um you know if you decided and uh, you know you want to invest in real estate make sure that's something that that give you a return maybe something that you can rent out or you know that that it will cover your basic needs but you know you're not going to be living next door that i don't recommend in the first place because you will never have a life they will keep calling you every five minutes make sure you have a property manager that's a business expense having a property rental property is a business in itself so manage it as a business. When you have to spend money, make sure you spend it. Because it save you five minutes, it saves you uh, getting 20 calls in the, in the middle of the night because something is wrong in your property. You know, know the laws. What are your responsibilities as a landlord? What are your responsibilities as a tenant, as a homeowner? Know when you have to pay your taxes, and oh,
0: definitely on the taxes, man.
1: Yeah, there's more than enough
0: people that don't pay their taxes. See that all the time.
1: Yeah, and just because you're buying another state, the laws might be a little different. You're buying another country, the laws might be a little bit different. Just because your laws are certain way in a global world right now. You need to make sure you know those laws. Yeah,
0: well, I'm, in a, I'm in the state of Illinois, and, and our tax laws are really different when it comes to real estate. We pay ours in arrears, so we get people that move here, and you have to really explain it, and they just kind of look at you like a deer you know, in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, the taxes you pay in 2021 are the taxes you incurred in 2020. They're like, well, why would I pay them in 2020? I don't know, because <laughs> – the Illinois state legislator made that rule a long time ago. You incurred it. Then you pay it this year. Then to complicate things like the city of Peoria, that's that's, uh, right across the river from me, they put their garbage fees in there. Well, the garbage fees are not in arrears. So then you got to like break up the bill and the prorations are all messed up, you know, when you get to the closing table. So there's a lot of just interesting little moving parts that just in that one tax bill that you have to know and you have to understand and, and if you move to a different area, even a different town, you don't even know. Sometimes. Yes.
1: And make sure, make sure that you have a property inspection. Um and a portable uh, property inspector that check for all the little things that you miss. Because you want to check your home, But You you don't want to buy problems when you yeah. invest into something.
0: It should also be noted though that they can't inspect everything. Right. And things can go bad weeks or months after something's inspected. So it keep in mind, it's what they can see and touch and inspect at the day they inspected it. So that's that's something I have seen before. Like, well, yeah, the furnace is 30 years old. It worked just fine two months ago when you bought the house and it went out today. Like, things happen. I mean, it's 30 years old. What do you expect, you know? It, it, sometimes it's unfortunate, you know. There are home home warranties out there that people can get too. It's another thing you can you know kind of protect yourself with. So, but yeah. you have to redefine print on that too. <laughs> there is a lot of education that has to go into the whole process, but unfortunately, it it's not done all that frequently sometimes. Not yeah. to the level that it should be.
1: And that's something that you know. Uh, so that's why I say, uh you going to get a second property or rent a property? it as a business, um, if you're going to use a, a residential property, you still need to know um, what are your responsibilities, what are your, uh, all the legalities that you need to look at, um, you know, to so make sure you manage it the proper way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely a way because you're not only making money and appreciation, depreciation you know is that it has a high uh return on your money definitely and you get to live it you know
0: yeah yeah it's a real estate is a wonderful way to to uh to increase your wealth when it comes to purchasing and investing and um it actually creates a great great lifestyle too if you want to become a realtor um there's so much you can do you know residential commercial you can work with investors you could niche in, in, in vet- working with veterans or foreclosures or whatever. There's a lot of different ways you can go. Um but the industry can be a little tough. So um since you became a realtor, what's uh what's one thing that jumps out in your mind that like you never thought you'd either have to deal with or something that was totally kind of caught you off guard about the industry that was harder or or different than you ever
1: expected? I think um They, it's very regulated industry. And you can get in trouble for a lot of little things, Um, but there's not enough investment in education for the realtors. There's a lot of expectations, but there's not a lot of investment on on the realtors. There's a lot of fees. A lot of people are making a lot of money out out of base of the realtors, uh, but there is a missing piece. And I think that's education. And I would
0: totally agree with that. That's that's a good one. <laughs> I like that in your
1: Yeah. That's I, uh and you know, and you think like you know, like veterans, most veterans the first thing they want to do is use the BI uh BA loan. And that's a a, a very smart thing to do, um and to leverage that, especially if you spent twenty years in your in the military, you can build and uh, an asset that way. Um thinking you buy a uh, multifamily in a period of 10 years. How many multifamilies can you have using the use of the VA loan?
0: Um, Absolutely. That is, that is the way to go and that's underutilized in my opinion. Now the VA loan in most cases is going to be the, the best route to go. It may not in some particular cases for whatever reason, but if you can get into a multifamily property, mm-hmm. preferably three or four units, and you can cover most of your mortgage with with the rent from one or two, then you've got income coming in. Yes. You know, I mean, it, it, it's a no-brainer. Now you have to want to be able to live with two or three other families. You know, people around you, there's some drawbacks there too. You know, not everybody wants to live like that, apart you know, in that apartment style, uh, life, but it's a way to build that income, and then you can invest into another one a couple years down the road, and another, and another, and another. Next thing you know, you got 20, 30 different apartment buildings across the city, and you're bringing in plenty enough income to pay for your own mortgage, you know, in your own single family home, whatever you want to do. So,
1: and, and the and the thing I will say about that is, you know, you only have to do it one year, right? You only have to leave next to um, your renters one year, and then you can move to another property and do it all over again. But also, a way to manage that is don't tell nobody that you're the owner. Because everybody will come back and yeah. you don't. Know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that property management company comes in. Because, yeah, yeah, don't... um. Hey, don't tell anybody that because i mean they're not the people that rent aren't gonna go check they're not gonna really take care or notice just mind your own business don't really talk to anybody let it be i guess one difficulty counter argument i'd have on there is uh you know if you if, if you're in a duplex or uh, something like that it's not like you can call in an always complaint to your property manager because <laughs> then they're gonna know it's you but then i guess you've got the power to tell them that you're not going to renew the lease at the end either, so, you know, I guess you've got some power both ways, but that is a good one. Hire somebody else to manage it so you don't have to do it. Don't let anybody know who you are, that you're the owner.
1: whatever
0: whatever, however long you want and bounce to the next place.
1: And if the noise complaint is is a big win, why you don't invest in some soundproof walls? Now you reduce the noise? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, well, the goal is to get somebody in there as a good tenant. that's not going to trash the place or, uh, or have noise complaints, but we all know that's not a reality. Sometimes, you know, about 20% of the time you might get a good tenant that unfortunately is, that's what I tell my clients all the time when they're looking at investment property, you're going to have a lot more bad tenants than you are good. You're going to live a lot more people that are going to leave you messes or things are going to get broken and they're not going to tell you. than you are people who are going to pick up the phone and tell you when something's wrong that are gonna pay on time, leave the place clean when they leave. It just is what it is, so you just have to uh, you have to be willing to accept that that you're gonna walk into some messes sometimes when somebody leaves. Yeah, I'll leave it to your imagination what those messes can be. <laughs> we both know, um, you know, look at look at the show hoarders and stuff like that. That might give you an, an idea of some of the stuff you can walk into sometimes. But you know, there's single-family homes that people own that they do that too. So don't get me wrong. Um, you know, so so on real estate. we'll we'll flip this to your local area here. You're in the Miami area. Let's just say somebody who's who's listening is thinking about moving to Florida. Why should they move to Miami? Give us a good pitch for the city there.
1: Well, a big draw is the Miami lifestyle, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things to do here. Of course, you got you know, palm trees go to- in your backyard. Yeah, <laughs> That's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you can go to the beach, everything. Um Traffic is, you know, is a pain. Um, but you can get in your car and you can go down to the Keys or you can go up to the, uh, Orlando, anytime that you want to, and all the cities in between. Um, there's... A lot of sports here. I think we only missing one stadium to have a, a niche on that. Um, there's Before COVID hit, there was like 10,000 people coming in every day, you know, because there's a lot of people that come from South America. Um, and even people that leave, they're, they're still coming. So the, the culture is very rich. Uh, very diverse. Uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was 154 different cultures in here in Miami alone. Uh, so That's a lot fact. of
0: diversity right there. That's awesome.
1: Yes, that it's very rich. Um, so you can find Russians, Italian, Irish, Cuban, a lot of those. <laughs> uh, so Americans, there, There's there's a lot. There's a lot to do. The there's a lot of theaters there's a lot of entertainment um so it's whatever your budget is and whatever is your your taste like it's just pretty much um, a little bit for everybody
0: okay well, since we're talking about that and, and and what would you say your typical price point would be in in that area just out of curiosity for a three bedroom two bath
1: well right now the prices are going up so i don't think that's he good for sellers. Yeah. He just went up 15% again. Uh, so last time I checked, I think the average was uh, about 400 now. Um, like, you know, like 350, maybe you can find something um, very limited. Uh, so the prices are high, but the appreciation is really high. Yeah, in a normal year, the appreciation goes up um, uh, really quick. So, you buy a property, you will see the appreciation coming. Like, uh, my brother lives in North Carolina. His appreciation doesn't go up barely in 10 years. We're here, every year, it will go up. It will go up. Uh, yeah, where I'm
0: at, it's, it's pretty steady de- depending where you're at. There's a couple of places where it's been pretty pretty flat. Um, Not too many places where it's depreciated in value, but we got certain places, maybe 3 4%. Typical, maybe steady growth right here is 1%, so it doesn't grow super fast, but our, our local price point, typical price point would be about 125000 so definitely what? looks a lot more, lot more attractive there. But we don't have palm trees, and we don't have the ocean nearby. <laughs> but we are, we are uniquely sandwiched between St. Louis and Chicago, so we got that.
1: Yeah, that's good. Well, we got the when I joined the army I think prices were like in the 98,000 like you can find a, re- a really nice house for like 200,000 now those same house that were 98,000 you're not going to find it for less than 400 so wow. yeah and that's less than what 25 years uh, so the appreciation is Cairo kind of and you yeah. know a lot of is, uh, there's a lot of tourists that come here and they buy here. Um, there's a lot of people that, they, there's a lot of snowbirds that come um, to Florida.
0: I know and you get a lot of place. them from my area, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people from my area go to Texas, Arizona, and Florida. I mean, that's pretty common, you know, everywhere. But I I, I know a handful of people that are in Florida at least six months out of the year.
1: Yeah,
0: well, that's why we had that movie. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that palm tree's uh, branches hanging behind is pretty, pretty inviting. Almost makes me want to hop on a plane. Almost. You know, if there was no COVID, it'd be a good, a good spot to come visit. But um, I put that on my bucket list. I told you earlier I was planning yeah. a trip to Disney this last summer. But uh, um, yeah. Florida sounds really nice, especially as it's bitterly cold up here. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But it's Illinois for you. So we get all four seasons in a week if we're, sometimes in a day.
1: Well, yeah, I miss those. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, you got a heck of
0: a lot of easier job selling your city than I do mine.
1: <laughs> I got, I got, we got like two seasons. Um, so it's about, Summer, and ten days of winter.
0: That's it. Well, I thought you were gonna say summer and hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: that's part of the summer. That's part of. The summer. <laughs>
0: that's part of the summer. Okay. That's what it's people
1: a- move out.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I. I see. I. I think about that, and I'm like, man, there's no way. Like, I guess I would much rather take my chances with tornadoes up here. Um, but you know, it's all what you're used to. Right? So. You get lucky. I it is think,
1: what it is. I don't think we have a like a real. Good hurricane in the last what five years, three years? So that's good,
0: you get used yeah, to that. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, and I know everybody's got their processes down, you know, but at least you get some time to prepare for them. Whereas tornadoes, they're obviously a lot smaller, um, it, it, even more destructive, but you know, you've got to be right in the path. And,
1: I, I, and that's the thing, it doesn't so it surprised me. Like, every time there's a hurricane, you see people going crazy in the street. Oh, my God, the war is going to die. But, you know, you had the whole year to prepare. You just have emergency kit. You know, especially, you know, the prices are going to go up. Because everything is going up at that time. You know, the water. Uh,
0: I think it was emergency. me if I lived down there. I mean, I, I know you guys board up your windows and stuff like that. I would probably have all that wood sitting in a shed or something like that. I would, yeah. I would want to have all that stuff prepared where all I got to do is pull it out and attach it just be works. ready to go
1: and we got the windows uh the impact windows and then we got the protector and the, we just have to pull the protectors and simple have it ready that so a lot way of you'll... Have
0: generators and stuff like that for power outages or
1: yes but you have to be very careful with those don't bring it inside your house it goes unless you know, yeah. sleeping forever good point uh, yeah <laughs> uh I make sure. To check it before because i know we have one it probably hasn't been checked in five years so uh yeah make sure you check that before you need it
0: yeah i would say if it was it's something that probably should be checked every year have somebody come out and give it a give it a check fire it up whatever make sure it's running a couple months yeah. before the season in case you need a part or something like that and it has to be ordered you know yeah um, Just like your furnace and your air conditioner and stuff like that should be checked on a regular basis. I'll pound the table for those industries because they really should. But people don't get them them checked as much as they should.
1: And your roof, you know, your roof has to be um, auto and because that's the first thing that it will go out. (laughs) It will fly away from you. Um, So make sure you have, you know, a good roof at least every 10 years. Uh, so you don't get those big holes in your middle of the living room.
0: Are people switching to metal roofs at all down there? Has that had any in? trend has do. had any impact.
1: Some people do, but uh, it gets hot here, so um, you know, I know a lot of people transition into solar panels, um, because that's like the most underutilized uh part of your roof or your house, right? Oh yeah. uh, Of course, the prices are still a little expensive, (laughs) but
0: I think the electric companies want to keep it that way. mm -hmm. Keep more people from getting it because I would have some solar panels on my house if it was more cost effective. So, but uh, you know, with uh, with the real estate, I know you're a member of the Veterans Association of Real Estate Professionals. Uh, What can you? You know, tell us about that for anybody who's looking to get into real estate. Or,
1: well, I tell you something. Uh, that was one of the organizations uh, that, I, as soon as I got my license again, I joined it um, because of what they represent and what they do for veterans. Um, so, it's it's called. They have several programs. Uh, where. where. You know, they help a a veteran get into a house uh, mortgage-free. They also come and educate veterans on how to use the VA loan. You actually got, as a realtor, you can, you don't only get the membership. uh, You also can get certified as a mentor and go help other people. um, To understand the ins and outs of VA uh, loan. And you know they have people that specialize. In. They they most of them are veterans, um, so they know what they're talking about, and they're national. So, now they have like three different programs: the um, the one for the house, and they have for education, and and the whole membership. Awesome.
0: Yeah, something I, uh, I had seen before, but I had, I am not a member and I've thought about it, but there's no chapter in my area we were talking before we did the show. And, uh, if I was going to have one in my area, I'd have to set up a whole chapter and all that stuff. So I hadn't, hadn't made up my mind if I was going to go down that path. We don't have a whole lot of realtors here locally in my area, about 750. So, you know, there's only about five or six of us that are vets that I'm aware of. <laughs> so if we set up a chapter, it'd be all on our backs. So, uh um, Yeah, something I might have to join a chapter farther away or something like that. So, um, but speaking of, you know, vets and real estate and stuff like that, um, before we get to the final three questions, I ask everybody, you know, what kind of uh, advice would you have for speaking of the VA loan or buying a home, selling a home, whatever, what's your advice for vets? A couple of good nuggets for them to take away.
1: Utilize it. Start early. Start when you're getting paid for housing, Um, you know. Just imagine uh, the most people, most soldiers, they spend about three to five years in a duty station. That's, depending on the area, three to five years that you're building a nest egg. And even if it doesn't go as much in appreciation, that's money that you didn't throw away. You rent it out, the money's gone. But you putting that in your principal, you know, my my brother is, is in the military as well. He has two houses with twenty years of service. Um, because he was stationed, and he would buy. It. He went to Fort Hood. He bought another house there, and then he sold it. But even if you sell it later, that's that's money that you didn't have before. Um, you know, if you don't want to deal with the um, the property management and the headache, having that, um, just go through the process of sell it and use that money to invest in a new uh, property, you know. Yes, yeah, uh,
0: that's a that's a great one. This got me thinking and makes me wish I would have used my, my VA loan when I was in and bought a multifamily property that I could have lived there and, you know, it, it, that would have been a win-win, even making money
1: on the side. Uh-huh you know i wish i had that opportunity i was stationed most of the time overseas so i didn't have that opportunity because you know you had to leave for a year and in order to be able to use the ba benefits and, and you know they never gave me that opportunity so i didn't so i wish i would have that cuz i probably would have 10 houses by now um because that's the other thing, you know, when you sell the house, you invest whatever equity you have after you sell everything in another house, you just don't pay taxes. <laughs> you know, you just yeah. build another Yeah, don't NSA. take
0: that money and do anything else but buy another property with it.
1: No, you just put it in another property. You have to live somewhere anyway. Why don't put it in another property? And now you gotta you gotta uh, uh, keep doing it, and that's only you don't want to deal with another property and 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 tenants and everything. And if you do have tenants, if you end up having uh, more than one property. Just make sure you do your due diligence. You put the personnel that you need. Make sure you have property management, but not only property management. You want that buffer, so you want the um, the warranty. I'm going uh, warranty association. Uh, to make sure that when something breaks down, somebody go inspect it before you have to pay. And it's a real expense. It's not somebody trying to pull something over you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any other yeah. nuggets of information, a couple yeah. tips?
1: Um, yeah, I think, you know, get educated and use the benefits that, that you have and the best way so um, you can get investment all right it's a totally it's a totally different uh, thing to come out of the military 20 years after uh, with something to fall back than you know having a property um, having some money saved in the bank then you trying to transition, trying to figure it out. And then you have to worry about money because nobody's paying you housing anymore. You have yeah. to pay that now.
0: Yeah, it's not just housing that ends up in, in, in your lap too. It's you know, it's health insurance, life insurance. I mean, all those different things that start
1: that the in deal your pocketbook immediately. Yeah. So, and, and it's something that you can use to leverage your personal life, your business life, Uh, it's just something is, you know, get financially educated.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. It gives you a place to live and gives you an asset uh, that's paying you money. You know, so it takes some of that financial burden of paying for those other bills, you know, away from you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, pays for the property even faster or puts money in your pocket to live off of whatever, help that transition. So good way of going about things. Uh, So last three questions I've got here for you, Nirka, I ask everybody who's a vet. So first one I'll ask is um, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to transition out, you know, sometime soon?
1: Plug in, um, find the resources that are available to you. Start early. Um, there's transitioning programs that they are coming up now that are really good. Um, start plugging in then early, find your benefits. Have a plan. The same way that you live your military lifestyle, you know, you always have a plan. Have a plan to when you get out. So, because you you still had to cope with the loss, um, you know, most military has PTSD. Then you had to um, deal with your family because even if you deal with your family before, it was part time. <laughs> the military took a, a huge chunk. Um, or your life but now you're going to be full-time in the house they're not used to it you're not used to it uh so that is a transition on yourself uh, so yeah have a plan have a plan for all of that
0: that is a good one so what about any young person you know in high school or in college right now that's you know kicking the tires on joining what kind of advice would you give them
1: that they make sure. Um, I, I definitely would recommend to be informed. So don't let um, nobody sell you a pipe, right? Uh, a dream pipe. Make sure that you know what you're supposed to uh, expect. That you go into a job or or MOS. That is something that you see yourself in the future doing. However much time you spend in the military, make it count. You know? Yeah, it's not
0: four years of your life to go party. You know, you, no. sh- you need to look at it as a career, a stepping stone, a way to get education and network and meet other people and, and come out on the other end a-, yeah. a better, stronger person, more capable of adapting to the
1: world. Yeah, and... and- you know, even if you go in and maybe you pick something that you saw you like and, and you end up not liking it as much, um, you can always transition to another scene. But, you know, you already went with the plan. Like um, my niece's husband, he wants to be a pilot. So he just joined it and he couldn't get into the pilot school fast enough. So he went as a mechanic to fix helicopters that's what he wants to do he wants to fly the helicopters so now he's he knows how to fix the helicopter he's going to be flying and now he's going to the um he's going to the academy to learn how to be a pilot you know he had a plan there you and go. he's only 18 years old so you know, that's a lot
0: of knowledge that you can pick up uh that i, I definitely not a pilot but you know I don't, I don't know that the pilots know all that you know they might know what some of those parts are, but I'd give them more knowledge about exactly what they are, what they do and why it's important and how to fix them and stuff like that. So that's good. It's good advice of of kind of knowing what you're getting into. Last question I got for you. I have a feeling I might know the answer already, but uh, are there any veteran social groups or clubs or anything like that that you want to give a shout out, you know, one, two, three of them, whatever, uh, that you have found? Helpful or useful, or you think that people should should look at joining?
1: I think there are uh, a lot of groups out there that do a lot of great. Uh, they're doing amazing things. Uh, I definitely, uh, as a Rialto I will call out uh, Barrett because I think they're doing um, it's an excellent program. They don't have uh, enough uh, market person. Um, but I, I definitely you want to be entrepreneur. I will look up um, IBMF, the Betpreneur Tribe, if you're on Facebook. Um, I will look into Bunker Labs. I will look into Wonder Warrior. You want to find something else to do um, with your family, and they have a lot of recreational. But the the missing piece when you ever transition is that community that you build when you're in the military and plugging all this on all these resources and all these organizations help you kind of build a new one. So that's very important.
0: That is vitally important. I I, I like that. And I've heard that I'm starting to hear that more and more often. And I think that's not said enough that that structure that that group mentality you know it's it's just gone when you're out you're out honestly the unit that you're leaving behind isn't going to pay attention to you you're you're done you're gone they don't really care about you anymore so now you have to make your own path in life and it's incredibly helpful to connect with fellow vets in one way shape or form get that group find out who that group is and, and become a part of it. Let them be your new, your new group. You know your new group.
1: And, and it takes time because, um, there's a lot of distractions when you're becoming a civilian, you don't fit in with the military, the attitude of the military because they look at you like, Oh, you're trying to tell me what to do. Um, and you don't fit in with the civilians because they're like, you're crazy. You, you need to slow down. Um, but the veterans, most of them, being in the same place that you have been, so there's a commonality, and once you build that trust, they would op- they will welcome you.
0: Um, Absolutely, yeah. We are a very small percentage of the population of the United States that's um, unfortunately, like you say, you know, kind of in that no man's land. You know, you don't fit in the civilian world, you don't fit in the military world you've got some connections in your life to both, but that's not who you are. You know, you're kind of a, I hate to say it, but it has been, you know, you're, you're, you're no longer in, you're not, you're not doing all the fun, cool stuff anymore. Now you're just a, an old broken down hobbled around vet. (laughs) Most of us, uh, most of us that way. Anyway, we don't come out without a few uh, bumps and bruises along the way, but, uh, yeah, you got to find your own path, you know, and you never know when that, when that's going to hit you. Ironically, I'm wearing my greater Peoria honor flight shirt right now. That's the organization that that I found by some odd chance that gave me that group. They gave me that new close group of friends, not all of them are vets, but they're almost like a family to me now. And uh, this year has been hard not being able to have any missions flying to DC, but it's, um, you know, that's, that's what helped me through, through transition, honestly. And it took, I think, three years after I got out before I found them. So eventually you find your group.
1: And yeah, and most of us, uh, we're done with the military. Oh, my God, it's over. Finally, need a break. But then <laughs> you hit that period where you miss it. Because it has been your life for how many years? Um So... Yeah, you need to build that community. You need to find, and, and sometimes you know, maybe you don't have a base around you. Maybe you don't have that many veterans around you. Go to a conference. Um. And my my phone's gonna die, but um, <laughs> go to go to a conference and 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 plug in. There, there's there's like. I think that's like 20 right now every year. Um, yeah, there's a lot of
0: ways from conferences to social groups online to, you know, going down to your local VFW, American Legion post, whatever, you know, find them. They're they're out there. It's really not hard to find groups of vets. So just go find one and connect. And uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up since your phone's about to die. Yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> be wrapping it up anyway. But your thanks so much for being on the podcast. That was awesome. Um, look forward to seeing you next week on the uh, on the warrior council all right all right
1: appreciate it have a a good one